Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. This podcast episode was released to premium subscribers on Tuesday, July 12th. It's worth noting that since this podcast was released to premium subscribers, oil has started to rally. In fact, it's up about 5%. So there are obvious benefits to being a premium subscriber. The main one being that you get these episodes, in this case, a full week before regular subscribers. And you don't have to listen to any of these annoying ads or announcements. And thrown in, you also get the Daily Contrarian briefing every market day morning by 7 a.m. This is a podcast which gets you caught up on the major events that will shape markets in the day ahead. So sign up at contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.com and I will see you there. Now let's move on to today's episode. Here you go. I'm here with Salem Abraham of Abraham Trading Company calling in from Canadian Texas, Texas, which I just learned is a tiny little town in the northern panhandle of Texas. We will talk about that and how that all factors into this investment thesis in a bit. But um, a lot of a lot of coverage here, a lot of ground that you, Salem, have covered in your career um, as an energy trader of various types. But your view that I want to focus on, at least to start, this contrarian view here, to cut to the, to the chase here, you're bullish on oil for a number of reasons that you'll talk about. So I'll just shut up with that and let you take it away. Sure, Nathaniel. Well, it's great to be with you. You know, I started trading futures in the futures markets when I was still in college during my last semester at Notre Dame. And so I would have been, and, and I graduated early. So I was, I would have been 20. I'm now 56. So I've traded futures almost continually the last 36 years. I've had memberships on them, both the, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Chicago Board of Trade. Uh, we've been market makers and we've had a hedge fund, a managed futures hedge fund. So, so, but I've also grown up, it's an interesting too, you, you overlay that with I've grown up out in this area that's a ranching community. The nearest Starbucks was 101 miles away and now it's 
Now they're, you know, now we've got one 45 miles away, but everybody still makes their own coffee. That's got two stoplights. It's a long way from anywhere. It's 100 miles from the nearest commercial airport. Um, and you hear that. I don't know if you heard the train whistle. There's I was wondering train. if that was you or me. No, that's the train. So we have a it, it, our our little town is a is was was put here by the train. You know the the Atchison Topeka uh, Santa Fe Railroad in 1887. So this is a train. They they have. Uh, you see the trains going out to Los Angeles from here. Oh, wow. Um, and, and so anyhow, so uh, Burlington Northern line now. So, yeah. but we also have oil and gas here and we also have wind here. Mm. So I've been somewhat involved in those as well. But what I'm seeing that's really interesting is, you know, we th there's this shift to renewables. And what we've seen out here is, you know, we've gone from no wind turbines 20 years ago to now literally thousands of wind turbines around the Texas Panhandle. So the Texas Panhandle and up through Kansas, um, you go, there's a lot of very windy spots in the country. And I even have, I even have, uh, a, I bought a ranch and sold it, but kept the wind rights. It's 19, uh, 19 square miles, 12,120 acres of wind rights. So I've been green energy, I th I, we see that transition. This area can benefit from that. But this area also has oil and gas as well. Oil and, and when I say gas, I mean natural gas. And so, so what's fascinating that I think uh, your listeners ought to consider is this: what I'm seeing is this big ESG push, and um, you know, and even this shaming of people who invest in carbon fuels. And everyone's like, well, you know, you're a bad person. If you invest in carbon fuels, you, you, you must hate the planet. You must hate your grandkids. Um, you know, and so there's this embarrassment. If you invest in carbon fuels, you're like, well, you're you're a bad person. So so that peer pressure um, you get and, you know, the, and, the, and the money's the big money's not in that many hands. And it's in the cities. And there's this disconnect, I think, of, look, we're, we're making a transition from carbon fuels to uh, green fuels. Uh, but that transition has not happened yet. And so, and with the carbon fuels, we have this um, oil and gas wells de deplete over time. So they drop our, our if we never drill more new wells, our oil and gas supply every day or every, every year drops about 5%. So you've got this, you know, imagine you drill a well and it starts out at a level and it slowly declines. You know, it's like draining a, think of a balloon, you know, over time, there's less pressure. So there's less uh, less coming out of it, the ground. So you have that declining supply. So supply is declining. You've got to keep investing. If you don't keep investing, then you can't even stay in place, let alone grow. So we've had COVID where we have all this reduction in demand. And we go, let's say we're almost at three years now where, uh, you know, two and a half years that the, the demand has not been as much, but there's been very little investment. New to, to make more supply, you got to have drilling rigs. So if you look at the rig numbers, look at drilling rig numbers. If you Google that, you'll see, I mean, just this complete drop off after really you had a drop off in 2014 when prices really tanked. Mm. So since 14 for the last eight years, it's been low. And then it really dropped um, at COVID. We haven't gotten back to pre-COVID levels. On a, if you look at worldwide drilling, we have not gotten back to pre-COVID levels. So what we're doing is we're not, I don't even think we're replacing the 5% decline. So now we've got these high prices. 
And everyone wants to blame it on the Ukraine-Russian situation. But the Russian, if you really study Russia and what they're doing with it, they're selling their oil. Their oil is getting out there. It's just they're doing, they're having to do some trickery to get it out there. And, and um, but, but so what I see coming with oil is because of the lack of investment, I think we'll have $200 plus oil. I think we have over $10 gasoline. It's coming. And I think we have people picketing in front of, you know, uh, and, and protests in front of oil company offices saying, you're taking advantage of us, you're doing all this. But it's like, no, we're all doing it to ourselves with this whole idea, this kind of this, it's, it's really in a way delusional that you say, look, we aren't there yet. It's like, it's like ordering a Tesla that you say, well, the Tesla's coming a year from now, well, I'm gonna go blow up my, you know, my gas guzzler, you know, and, you know, and, and yay. And you're like, okay, well, you, you got a year there that, you got a problem. So that's mm -hmm. what I see, Nathaniel. Interesting. Now that's the supply issue. What about the demand side? And we're talking now about going into a recession, slowdowns here, slowdowns there, which is, I assume is what, what led to the, the drop in oil prices, maybe, although there's a lot that goes into it. What do I know? But that fundamental argument, what, and in these times, historically, oil prices have declined. What do you make of that whole argument? Um, do you not see the drop in demand? I, I agree with that. And I think I think we have with the Fed, I think I think we end up with stagflation. I think the Fed is going to have to raise rates, which is going to is, you know, hurts hurts the economy. But so do, you know, high oil prices are mm. similar to high interest rates. I think I think the supply disruption from Ukraine, Russia, I think that hurts things and, and higher interest rates. You know, they want to stop inflation. And if inflation, you know, if we had 40 percent increase in money supply by the Fed during COVID. That's that's huge. Mm. I mean, that's that's like Argentinian light kind of numbers. Yeah. I mean, you you know, it isn't quite as bad as Argentina, which has 40 to 50 percent inflation, but it's about half of what Argentina was has done. So so they've got to the Fed has to appear serious and and they've got it. They've really got to get their credibility back. Well, so they've got to raise these rates. And, and but we already we already have oil up and we have Ukraine and Russia, and those are both creating inflation because of supply problems. And so I think that creates this, and, and, and higher interest rates are not going to fix Ukraine and Russia, and they're not going to fix a low supply in oil. Um, so so it's, it's interesting where the Fed is trying to fight inflation. Everybody points to energy, they point to these supply disruptions, but it's like, well, that's, the, the higher interest rates aren't going to fix it. Really, they ought to, you know, and they're going to do quantitative tightening too, which would help. Um, but I think we have stagflation. I think, but I think eventually the supply issue is going to be there still. Even if we got out of in out of the the whole, um, you know, let's say we go through a recession. Let's say it lasts. Let's say it's nine months of a recession. At the end of that nine months, we are not going to have the supply still of oil. And so that's where I'm looking at. You know, I would say in the six to eighteen month range. I think oil prices go up and, you know, there's a lot of ways to express that trade. You could do it in the in the futures markets or in options markets, you know, in, in the in the oil or gasoline market, you know, because even refineries, you know, at some point you might want to be on the gasoline side because refineries, they're not doing new refineries either. So um, so but you could also do it with stocks um, as well. And so it's just a it's a fascinating thing where you have peer pressure playing in instead of economics, you know, saying, hey, there's a dollar to be made here. There's this peer pressure. And I think it's going to bite us.
Mm. What do you make of the argument? We had somebody on the show a couple months ago who, who the whole show was about this, and it was about how the the whole idea of renewable energies, it's not cost effective because the amount of, of carbon that you need to use to create one of these renewable outputs, like be it wind or solar or what have you, ultimately is worse for the environment than if you were just to drill for oil. Um, have, have you seen that discussed at all? I have, and I think it's, I, I I don't know enough about all the specifics. I know that, but it's, it is, it's a fascinating argument, but I, I do think we, you know, if you look at, um, you know, it's a carbon problem we, we've got. And mm. I think, I, I think there's issues there, but I, at the end of the day, I think, um, I think there's still things we can do to go more um, green and um and i think that's the direction we're going we're going to go i think it's harder than people think absolutely mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you know and that's what we see in the texas panel you know i've got this here i have 19 square miles of wind i have not got a phone call zero mm -hmm. no one's wanting to put up wind turbines and the reason is because we don't have the infrastructure to get the electricity mm -hmm. out and then you get people that they say well, we just got to build we got to we got to make a smart grid well the smart grid means a lot of wires in the air and, and that means long transmission lines. Well, you know, if you if you read uh, a book called Superpower, um, Michael Skelly, he tried to get long transmission lines um, from near me in the Oklahoma Panhandle all the way to Memphis, Tennessee. Well, he, when he's getting into Arkansas, you've got people that own their 10 acres, little slice of heaven. Well, no one wants to put this giant transmission line above. And so all the folks in Arkansas really fought it and it didn't happen. And so mm. you've got people in the country that just say, hey, I don't want it. I don't want that huge transmission line in my backyard. And mm. so there's there's a it's it's harder than people think. Mm. And I call them armchair environmentalists. You know, I've got I've had on three orchards. I've planted over 20,000 trees. I've sued oil companies before, mm -hmm. um, but I also have been involved in the oil and gas business. And I'm and I, and I have, you know, so I've I've done I've been on all sides of it. It's it's hard. These these are hard problems. I would just say to people that think it's easy, it's like go do it, do yeah. it, and and help get involved. Do your part. Don't just say it's easy. That's the frustration I have is I with with people telling me, hey, this is easy. This you ought to do this or that, and you say, well, you need to try it. Like you need to come be part of it and really work. Like come and let's go build a wind farm. Let's mm. do let's do green hydrogen. Let's do or, or, you know, and, and at some point, you know, if you don't like $10 oil, you ought to invest in drilling more oil wells because we need oil and gas and particularly natural gas is going to be, I think the, the bridge fuel, it's only got one carbon atom. And I think long-term natural gas is still a great investment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think oil is going to be less, it's going to go out of favor before natural gas, natural gas, and any, mm -hmm. any long-term uh, predictions show this na natural gas is going to be needed because natural gas turbine can be turned on in five minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a coal turbine is like hours, six hours. Nuclear is maybe a day or two. And so you can't, when the wind or sun quits, you know, you can't go and just flip on a switch, but you can with natural gas. And mm -hmm. of course, coal is the dirtiest. I mean, coal has, yeah. it's, it's got lots of carbon to have three or so carbon atoms, depending on coal, it's all different, but but you know you've got methane gas, natural gas, one carbon atom. And it's cleaner. It's the cleanest of the carbon fuels, and you know at, at this point that's that's needed for electricity. But it's 
it's tricky, Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. and I just see I see this kind of this kind of ignoring reality of we got to replace the the oil and gas at this point. We are not we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. our Tesla hadn't come in yet. It's mm-hmm. it's out there, and so and everybody's you know they're blowing up their their uh, their Chevy gas guzzler car and. I think there's going to be a problem. Mm. But even if you do have a Tesla, you know, the energy needs to come from somewhere. Oh, you know, exactly. Le- electricity doesn't create it out of thin air. Right. So, and a lot of that is powered by, uh, you know, carbons. But yeah, these infrastructure issues that you speak of, is there any, it sounds like the, the, the world, or at least the US is desperately in need of new infrastructure investments in energy fields. And, and is there any th- kind of, low-hanging fruit. I mean, you talk a bit of these challenges, you know, with, with building a distribution. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. But is there any like lower-hanging fruit that where something is, is like it's an easier political uh, fight? It's like, okay, this is a renewable energy. It'll be net carbon neutral for the foreseeable future. We just need to build it. And then we need to build the transports. And is there a way to do that? An idea that I've heard that I like is uh, you have green hydrogen, where if you can, um, you know, instead of transporting electricity through wires, you basically convert it to hydrogen and then you send it through pipelines. And that's pipelines are more palatable to people in the country. And okay. so, you know, because if you bury a pipeline three, four feet underground, you know, you can be at your favorite fishing hole out in, say, Arkansas or Texas. And you say, oh, yeah. And, I, you know, my sunset is not, you know, blocked by a big transmission line. It's it's all under. So it's underground. That's but that's hard too. there's a lot of things. You know, I, I think people are trying to solve them. It's there's no low hanging fruit. I think mm. I think this is. This is all going to take time, you know, and the, the some of the infrastructure money that's that was set aside during COVID. I think that's going to, you know, that, that there's money being thrown at it. But the big thing is just time. You know, mm. it's like it's like, you know, it takes 20 minutes to bake a cake. I think <laughs> it's going to take 20 years to get all this done. And mm. I think it's just and I, I understand people are impatient, but this is not something that's going to be, you know, if you've ever built a house. Yeah, welcome to building a house times twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, it's, yeah. it's frustrating. It's hard. It's there's problems along the way, and um, yeah. Couldn't so. you just just bury the uh, electricity lines too? They do that in Europe, right? You can. I mean, it's it's uh, it's like two to at least double the cost, maybe yeah. more. And, um, you know, you want to go to with DC, if you go very far with transmission, you want to go with a, a DC line, not an AC line, but you can bury them and it's just more expensive. Yeah. And, yeah. But, and I, I like that idea too, Nathaniel. I think that's something to think, think about as well, um, is burying those lines. And, um, because you, you can't just assume everybody's fine. You know, it's like, well, I don't want the electric lines in my backyard, but all those country folks, they don't mind. And it's like <laughs> people wow. came to the country to get away from electric lines. That's and so it. there's, you know, you have enough country folks fighting it. It isn't going to happen. Sure. And so as a country, we've all got to agree. Okay. We don't want to go and just say, well, let's go make this big mess out in the country. And, and so the city folks can have their electricity and, and feel good about it. And, um, you know, you put turbines and solar, solar everywhere. And that's where I'm th- I bet your guest would talk about that because 
at some point, all you see is, you know, you see windmills and you see, you know, and you see solar uh, arrays and you're like, wow, this used to be really pretty. Yeah. 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 There's something to be said for that too. Yeah. I mean, it's fine if they're like on the roofs of houses, which by the way, exactly. you have out here in Connecticut even, which is not the most sunny place in the world. Well, three months a year. Sure. But exactly. yeah. But then also with pipelines, I mean, that's a precarious issue also environmentally and there hasn't been any new investment in pipelines, I don't think, recently. Yeah. Also think, due to pol- yeah. Right. Well, there's more pipelines than people think. You know, they, uh-huh. they talk about some of the pipelines that they've shut down and they have, you know, marches and you're and you know, at me as a country kid growing up here and see, it's like there's pipelines everywhere. You know, there's yeah. all over. And I think people don't realize how many pipelines they are and they focus right. in on one or two. And there's more pipe. If you look up look up uh, oil and gas pipelines in the United States, they're all over. Okay. And, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, my brothers and I have owned ranch land um, over the years and, you know, we, yeah, we deal with uh, pipelines all the time. So pipelines are not as bad. I mean, you want to, you got to be careful with them and all that, but I've had way less issues with pipelines than I think the transmission lines. Really? Uh, just like those worse as just as a guy that's, you know, I've made easements with both transmission lines I've negotiated those on my land and and pipelines. I'd rather have pipelines. You're talking as far as like an eyesore of whether you yeah. Well, and even just yeah, mostly eyesore, but really I haven't had much trouble with pipelines. I mean, hmm. occasionally you have a problem, but um, but you can have problems with transmission too. Yeah. Now, how does this natural hydrogen or stuff what, what that you t- mentioned? How so does that you, work? If you get so green hydrogen would be you have solar or you have wind. Um, turbines. And so if you, it's green, if you use electricity, you say, okay, this is stranded electricity in a way. You can't get it out. The, the, the transmission lines are here. So let's take that electricity and let's take water. And now we're going to get the water and, and bust out the oxygen atom and keep the hydrogen. And you release oxygen and you've got hydrogen that goes um, and that you send down a pipeline. So, so uh-huh. it becomes green hydrogen because you're you're getting the hydrogen with green power. I see. And it's safe to transport across these in these. Well, hydrogen's, I mean, it's an explosive, you know, hydrogen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I remember the old Hindenburg. Like, you know, but we do natural gas. You know, natural gas, you, you know, is really four hydrogen atoms plus a carbon atom. Yeah. So it's got one carbon and four hydrogen. So you could even make, you know, you can make it from natural gas. You bust out the, the carbon atom and you just are left with hydrogen. So really methane gas is really, What's the flammable part is the hydrogen. So it's really no right. different. Now you could convert it to ammonium too. Yeah, nitrogen, you add nitrogen to the hydrogen and then you've got ammonium. And so you could- Which is it. but, but it's not like great environmentally. Yeah, and hydrous ammonia is like a, I mean, you don't want to breathe it. Yeah. And, you know, farmers use it though to do fertilizer and hydrous ammonia. They have tanks and they pull it behind and they'll, they'll inject the, the gas into the ground to get nitrogen in the ground. Okay. So anyhow, so there's anhydrous ammonia has been dealt with for years and it's, um, and they know how to do it safely, but it, none of this is safe. None of this right. is perfectly safe. Right. Right. Well, just like any, electricity, yeah. even from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any uh, green hydrogen companies that are public that you know of that are, you know, I know what Nextera does a lot of stuff, but, uh-huh. um, they seem to be, but there's a lot of others that are probably more green. Even I just know Nextera as a as a big utility is also has a lot of uh, green things that they do. So mm-hmm. yeah, but 
But I just, yeah, I think that's what the idea I would share, the contrarian idea that that is, I think your listeners ought to really consider would be, are we making a mistake by, you know, um, kind of we're thinking ahead too much and we're not taking care of today by not investing in carbon fuels that we do not like, that people do not like and wish they didn't have, but that is what we have. You know, it's, yeah. you could wish you had a Cadillac and you, but you got a Ford, but you're like, you, it's like, well, you don't have a, we're not there. There's mm. this kind of, this idea of reality is not, is not being considered that, well, look, you, we could wish that unless we're all going to live in the dark and ride a bike. And it's like, and no one seems to want to volunteer to do that very yeah. much. There's some real hardcore environmentalists that go out and live in a tent and and god bless them but but i'm you know i'm i'm with everybody else i kind of i like my ac down here in texas and on a july day like we're talking right now and i like i like driving in a car and not walking places and phones and internet and tvs also all that stuff you know what's funny too you see bit you see these the miners oh now they come out and they want to have it's now the phones quit ringing with them that where my wind was requested was was from miners bitcoin miners and they no wanted to, now they as the price dropped below 40,000 the phone quit ringing but oh interesting um, but it's it is you know you look at the miners now there's something that talk about an environmental oh yeah, yeah 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 it's like we're just sucking electricity for miners and you're like well is this really even make sense yeah i mean why are we doing that. And, uh, wow. you know, so you start looking at, and, and today, you know, you got to know the, the grid is mostly uh, carbon fuels. So yeah. we're going to burn more carbon fuels for, for Bitcoin mining or other mining. And, well, yeah, so. but maybe not at these prices and maybe not if it goes lower. What about, right. what about nuclear? Uh, Cause that's something that is environmentally safe if it's done right. And, right. and- no, to me, you know, I, I and I know uh, I, you know, my, I, the the compelling argument I saw was the Bill Gates documentary talking about it. I don't know if you've seen that, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And and the idea that basically um, you would want to have computers run it and and computers could make it a lot safer. You know, we used to do high frequency trading here at our shop, and and it's amazing how you can you can write code, which we did to to trade, and you have all these contingencies, and you write them all, and it's all and it's so much better than humans can do. Yeah. It's yeah, faster. Yeah. It's less error prone, all that. So I've seen that with high frequency trading, um, which, and we would make markets and ETFs and stuff, but, um, but no, I, so I think nuclear, yes, I think it mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. be done. It looks like, you know, I think there's the issue of where to put the waste, but I think there's ways to deal with that. I mean, you know, you drill a well, you have, I mean, I mean, radioactive material is everywhere. You know, if you, right. Right you, know, I, yeah. you, go up, you go up to Telluride, Colorado, and I know I was on a tour once um, with my wife and I. We have eight kids, so we go up there. Telluride's, it's, um, yeah, we would, there was a tour. We were, had kids on, and they were talking about the miners would find these hot rocks, and they would they would sleep with them at night because they would keep them warm. Oh. And so then they, got, they ended up having, you know, issues with radiation poisoning. So, wow. so I mean, Radioactive material is, it's um, it's out there. It's and I, so I think we could deal with that with nuclear. Cool. All right, uh, Salem Abraham. I want to take a quick break, 
and come back and ask you some more questions about this. But let's first take a break. If you are a premium subscriber, you will not get the break. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. In fact, we already are. If you want to become a premium subscriber, visit the website contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets. Consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our Discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech. As mentioned at the outset, the Supercast website is not the only place to get a premium subscription. You can also visit the Substack, contrarianpod.substack.com. If you already have a Substack account, that is probably the preferred way to get this. Prices are the same at both websites and benefits are exactly the same. So there's no difference from that end. Again, it's contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.com. The $9 a month price, that is pre-inflation or back when inflation was still transitory. And uh, But I think you can still get that actually if you sign up for the full year. So sign up for the full year and it is $9 a month. Otherwise, on a month-to-month basis, it's a couple bucks more, but still quite affordable. So in fact, less than Netflix, which you don't get much more anymore these days anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, on we go here. Let's get back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. Here with Salem Abraham, Abraham Trading Company out of Canadian Texas, Texas. I originally thought Canadian Texas was in Canada. It is not. It is in Texas. But uh, Salem, this is the segment of the show where we ask our guests about their background, how they came to this station in their career, how they came to investing in the first place. So uh, with you, obviously, you touched on it. Interesting background from down there in Texas, but yeah, take it away. Tell us, tell us about that. Sure. Well, I, so I, um, I grew up as a, as a kid with really a one trick kind of pony where I, I know math and I do math. Well, I'm a slow reader, a poor speller and, but, but I love math and I love math puzzles. And so, um, and my grandfather, he was in business. And so the idea of being, um, in business was interesting. So I went to Notre Dame, got a finance degree, um, was uh, hustled through there to get in and out in three and a half years, graduated with honors, started trading futures in my last semester because uh, and and really have used that uh, the the love of math to become a quantitative trading in the futures market, ran a hedge fund, a, a managed futures hedge fund. That was a um, I mean, there's a trend following component. Some people call us trend followers, but Really, we did a lot of quantitative trading that was not trend following too. So we did that for 31 and a half years from 1988 to 2019. And then we ended up, uh, we've transitioned though now, starting in 2018, we started um, a hedge fund that was 
um, basically where we had stocks, bonds, and then third-party hedge funds. And that's been now, that's now a mutual fund. That that converted to a mutual fund recently. So today we have the Abraham Fortress Fund, which is a, it has stocks, it has bonds, and it has this third pillar of diversification, which is hedge funds, which we call diversifying alternatives. And today we have seven different hedge funds in there. And so, um, you know, what we saw, Nathaniel, was the need for better diversification. We felt like most people were becoming more and more focused just on stocks. You know, in the world of stocks and bonds, there's been this slow migration, more and more stocks. And really we've we've set aside this idea of the need for diversification, which to me is the bedrock principle of investing. And we think by having alternatives in there and the right alternatives, and that's where that's really helpful diversification. Hmm. Now you can, as a mutual fund, you can invest in limited partnerships or are these liquid hedge funds? Or, or? So they're liquid hedge funds. You're right. Oh, yeah, no, it's, there's a lot of restrictions on mutual yeah. funds where, you know, you're, you're limited to 25% of your money. Uh, well, depending on, and generally they're, they're hedge funds that have commodity exposure. So that's, you, you, and so there's some limits there and then you do need it to be liquid and all of our hedge funds can be liquidated um certainly within 48 hours probably 24. and they have daily nav or or, yeah they all have daily nav exactly so and then so that you end up in more the the funds we'll end up in are more in like global macro managed futures currency traders spread traders a lot of people that trade in the futures markets um where again you can get daily navs and you find that this is enough of a they do the job of diversifying away from stocks and bonds Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, we were in the managed future space uh, and for 31 and a half years. And so we, you know, our pitch to people was always, hey, if you'll do this, if you'll invest with us, you'll see that we can make money uh, regardless of where stocks are going. We really are non-correlated to stocks. So with, we, so at some point, though, you're, you know, it's like you say if you sell cocoa to people that make chocolate cakes and you try to tell them, hey, if you use our cocoa, this is how you do it. Well, then at some point you're like, none of them listen. Let me just make a cake. Let me just do the whole thing. And then you see this product, you go, wow, this is totally awesome. And so that's so yeah, that's what we did. And really, we think it's more convenient for people. People don't want to build things themselves. They want it. I think in the in this world, we, we want convenience. It would be like mm-hmm. if you're flying from New York to L.A. and the pilots came back and took a poll about how do we want to get there and at what altitude? You know, you're like, let's just get us there safely. We, we don't want, we don't need all, we don't, you know, don't tell us how the clock is built. Just tell us what time it is kind of thing. So mm-hmm. we just say, look, we've been in this business, the alternative space. We think there's opportunities here for diversification. Let us show you. And here it is a one-stop shop where, and the fortress fund, the idea is more safety. And, um, and so it's, yeah. So we've been able to weather some storms that have hurt other folks. Yeah, actually, I studied this, the performance of hedge funds and, and the various types of hedge funds and, and the CTAs, the commodity trading advisors, did perform better during crisis, like during the 08 or 09. I think that they, they did perform much better than certainly in other hedge funds and, and certainly in the market. So yeah. there is that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think managed futures is a great space. Currency traders are great. Global macros. Great. Uh, you know, in 08, I think that the average um Managed futures, the managed futures hedge fund index was up 14% for yeah. in 2008. So yeah, that's so certainly a place, yeah, for I think for your listeners to, yeah, to to investigate is that space. But you know, you get in that space and it's hard to discern who's good, who's not good. And having us having done it before, that's where I think our expertise is unique 
um, to the world of investing and that we did it, we've done it for three decades, three plus decades. And so then it's easy to look at people and say, okay, we, we, we see that they're doing some smart things. Their risk management's good. And so, so yeah, mm. it's been helpful. And, and we, and yeah, if you look at the fortress fund and you, you, you compare it to like a 70, 30, um, you know, and you can see that performance on our website, just, you'll say, well, wait, what's going different here. And for the most part, it's, it's those all those diversifying alternatives. Interesting, interesting. So this this kind of I guess gives you the luxury of not having to worry too much about the markets and the economy. But as you look at things, you know, we talked about oil. Um, do you have what are your thoughts here on, on the big picture, on the Fed, on the recession, and, and things like that? Well, I, d- I do think um, you know the Fed has to regain some credibility. You know, they, there's all this silliness about oh, this is transitory. As there yeah. as there, you know, it's just all supply chain. But meanwhile, when you make 40% more money, you know, if you had 40% more, you know, oil or corn or cattle, the prices would go down. And so the value of our money has gone down because they made 40% more of it during COVID. And, um, and so that's a problem. Now they've got this credibility problem. They say, all right, we got to fight inflation. Well, now I see this. Yeah. So I, I do think we're going to have stagflation. I think we have a recession. I think, you know, and we're going to get through it. I, I do think um, I've heard some people this debate about, will the Fed, you know, will they chicken out? Will they blink? I do think they will. Mm-hmm. I do think at some point between here and, you know, probably December, I think the economy gets bad enough. And we could have really, you know, a capitulation moment in stocks where, you know, let's say we show up in a day and there's, you know, the stocks are down 10 or 15 percent, um, you know, over, let's just say even it's a week. Mm. Um, you have, and, and then I think the feds just going to say, we can't keep cutting, we can't keep raising rates. And, and so I, I don't, and that's where, you know, you think about an interest inversion on, on, uh, the yield curve. And you just say, no, I could see that where at some point the fed blinks because in the end of the day, really, if it's just you and me and we don't, we're in a closed room and we're in the fed, you're like, the only way we're out of this debt problem we've got is we've got to inflate our way out. So inflation right. We don't want it too much, but we want some of it if we're the if we're the U.S. government and every government of the world. So mm. there's an advantage from, you know, you'd say, well, we want to fight inflation, but not too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. But it has gotten too hard. I mean, what is it? Eight percent CPI uh, or more, t- whatever yeah. it is. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah, no, it's a real problem. And, the, you know, you, people, you know, when you go fill your tank up, you really notice it. You notice it with the you go to the grocery store, if you, you know, just look at something like ground beef that you say, yeah. what, what's it, you know, what's this usually cost? And it's amazing the prices that, you know, that gone, but, but you say, well, the prices aren't going up, your value, your money's going down, which is a different thought for most people. Mm. I think the people listen to your show, not so much, but I mean, we're just debasing our currency. So, yes. Although luckily for us, the other major currencies are kind yeah. of, yeah, we're the, even worse, but yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're the, the the what the least dirty shirt in right. the closet kind of deal right yeah so yeah that i mean that all begs the question i mean what what an investor does i mean obviously one alternative is to go to alternatives get some short exposure and, and there's ways of doing that to protect um do you have any thoughts of that or may are there any assets that you think are no um, I, I think well you know we're and when we ran our hedge fund you know it's always easier to make money when you got volatile markets and sure we got that so yeah. I do think alternatives are an interesting place. I, I I always want to be in alternatives, but I would say certainly right now when 
you've got, um, you know, I think the the, the markets are, uh, you, you almost always want to be in stocks. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, you might say, well, I'd really like alternatives even better because what's a bad environment for stocks is a really good environment for alternatives oftentimes, mm -hmm. the right alternatives. Now, long, short hedge funds, things like that, no, but like mm -hmm. you go, you know, the global macro currency traders, you go to, you'll go to uh, the managed futures hedge funds. So that kind of sector, you know, is, I think it's a good place to be um, in these, in, in this type of environment. All right. All right. Uh, last question, not relating to any of this is Notre Dame going to join the big 10 or what? No, no, not for football. Okay. Well, football that's is just, yeah. Well, the, the other ones they're in a different conference already yeah yeah, yeah. no i think the football, yeah. So, yeah. yeah i mean it's and again it gets back to money they, they can they can get i think they get a good you know such a good contract from nbc that they yeah but but i do know they'll win a lot more nathaniel they're if they were in the big 10 or with no anywhere <laughs> Oh well, well that's a yeah, fan. Okay. So you're, I see. Well, that's the, okay. Now you're getting the delusional fan. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like it's a great season coming up, man. All right. <laughs> always, the, you know, it's like a farmer. You see that with farmers. It's like, well, always next year, right? Next that's right. Year. That's right. So well, that's farmers, the old Brooklyn thing. Wait yeah, till next year. Cubs yeah. fans, and yeah, oh, so well. yeah, all that. So we're yeah, no, we won't. We and that's hope. That's what you know. There's nothing wrong with hope. We want to hope sure. there's a better day, and and let's. Let's all work toward that. That's always cool. a good thing. Nice. All right. In closing, uh, maybe let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, more about the fund, uh, and I'll include that in the show notes. Yeah, no, to learn more about, about Abraham Trading and what we're doing, uh, we, go to our website at abrahamtrading.com. So. Simple enough. I see you are on the Twitter. They're not that active. Yes. Um, but yes, wonderful. Okay, abrahamtrading.com. And with that... Thank you to Salem for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time. I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. With the drag and drop theme editor, we don't need to hire a developer to do any coding. Each theme is automatically optimized on mobile. It's incredible. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Go to shopify.com slash listen to take your business to the next level today. 